0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I am so excited about this podcast for two reasons. Number one, got a good friend who is on the show, Addison bevere Addison is the son of, you might know, uh, John and Lisa Bovere, who have written books that have sold into the several millions, are, are kind of, uh, they, they speak around the world, like, frequently. And as you'll hear in the podcast, their ministry, Messenger International, is is absolutely incredible. It's just one of the most... Generous um, and faith-based ministries I've ever uh, come across. Truly, and you'll hear uh, Addison talk about that. Addison is the COO of Messenger International. He's an author and a speaker. Um, the author, well, he's a, a, a new author. In fact, he his book comes out next week called Saints becoming more than Christians, uh, forwarded by Mark, Mark Batterson, my goodness. Okay. Um, so we had a great conversation. I'm excited to, uh, have you meet Addison. He's just such a humble, gracious guy who just loves the Lord. He just, I mean, he loves the Lord. He loves telling people about Jesus, except on airplanes and we'll, you'll see what I mean. Um, but yeah, just a really down to earth, genuine dude. And I'm excited for you to, get to know him also. Hopefully you didn't fast forward through this section because Theology in the raw is going to Israel and you are invited. We are going to Israel October 11th through the 21st. And we are inviting, uh, we, as in my family, we're all going and we are inviting the theology in the raw community, anywhere from 40 to 50 people. Now space is already filling up. Uh, my Patreon supporters have already uh, started to sign up. They knew about this a few weeks ago. It's part of, being a supporter. Um, I also have a few other friends that are going to be on the trip. And, uh, but we still have, we still have a a decent amount of space. I have to check with my wife to see um, how much we have left. I know we have, well, I'm almost sure we have more than 20, if not 30 spaces left. So there is time, but if you want to go on the trip, it's first come first serve. You have to mail in a check, a hundred dollar check for a deposit. And once we get 40 or possibly 50 checks, Um, then we're going to close the doors, cap it at 50. Uh, We might even cap it at 40. We'll see. We'll see what kind of interest there is. But um, if you want to hear more about the trip, again, it's October 11th through the 21st. Um, You can email chris at prestonsprinkle.com. chris at prestonsprinkle.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at prestonsprinkle.com. And what I'm so excited about this, well, the, well, Let me back up. One of the reasons why I'm so excited about this trip is the tour guide is my brother-in-law, Dr. Benjamin Foreman. Now, as you know, there's loads of trips that go to Israel. There's loads of agencies that run trips to Israel. And um, how do I say it? (laughs) My brother-in-law is super unique in that he has been living in the land of Israel for over 10 years. He's fluent in Hebrew. He has a PhD in Old Testament and he's been teaching the Bible in the land of Israel for the last 10 years. I'm sorry, he's been living there, I think, 15 years and teaching the Bible in Israel for 10 years. So most trips you go on do not have a, well, you have a kind of the local tour guide that typically there's, you know, it's an Israeli tour guide who's never read the New Testament. And, um, you know, kind of he does his tour guide thing or whatever. But my brother-in-law is an absolute uh, treasure a wealth of information and he's not just some random israeli guide he's an evangelical christian with a phd in old testament who's been living in the land longer than um all, most people who lead who lead trips so it's going to be an amazing trip now it's not cheap um you can uh let's see you can email um my wife chris at present com, and you can get the uh Info on the price, uh, but let me just say it here. Yeah, the price is $2,900. That's all-inclusive, except for um, uh, your flight, okay? But once you get there, then uh, meals, housing, bus trips, entry fees, everything is covered. So that's $2,900 per person plus airfare. So I know that's super steep. Like, I mean, it's... Um, we, my wife and I, we've been married almost 20 years and we're just now getting, uh, to where we can, um, go to Israel. So I totally get that. That's, you know, uh, going to be really steep for probably the overwhelming majority of you. But if, if you can afford that, I, I cannot more highly recommend going to Israel. I, um, spent a semester in Israel in fall of 1999. It was in all my schooling. Okay. I was in school for probably 12 years, um, after, um, high school, and uh, my favorite, hands down, educational semester was the time I spent in Israel. Hands down, PhD included, my master included, master's degree included, undergrad, whatever. Uh, it, it's just it's hard to describe. And if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm saying. It's like you, you just it, the Bible just comes alive, and you learn so much. You learn so much about. Uh, the historicity, archaeology, the land of the Bible. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. So if you can't go on this trip, fine, just uh, start putting aside a coffee a month or something. So and just save up and go to Israel at some point. I think this is going to be an amazing trip, but if you can't afford uh, this trip, then I would highly recommend saving to go on another trip. Okay. Without further ado, uh, let's get to know the one and only Addison Bevere. my friend Addison Bevere. Thanks so much, Addison, for being on Theology and Roth the first time.
1: Preston, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be
0: here. Yeah, we talked a little bit offline, but I, I woke up this morning just with this weird flu-like thing where i would just been glued to my bed, not throwing up or anything. There's nothing weird going on, but I, you know, now that I think of it, I had some uh, sashimi last night. Oh, there it is. <laughs> think, <I> mean, that's <laughs> there like, it is. I mean, raw fish. Raw, that's, that's like raw sushi. F- I mean, it's like... <laughs> um, so maybe I had some bad fish. That just makes me want to throw up thinking that I had bad oh, fish. But, sorry, uh, it, you know, it was Boise. It was probably like a raw bass or something, but... Um, Addison, l- let's jump in. Why don't you give us <laughs> your creepy... If <laughs> <laughs> Ralph on uh, the oh. podcast. Yeah, interesting days. Um, give, give us a little background of who you are and uh, the kind of unique household you grew up in and just go ahead and lead us to yeah. the present day and then we'll get in and really want to hear about your book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, right now, I'm the COO of Messenger International and we're an international organization. We're all about building the global church and we do that by empowering local leaders um, so to date, we've given away over 30 million discipleship resources that are translated to pastors and leaders in developing nations. Um, but yeah, we've, we've been able to give away over 30 million translated resources to developing church, um, over 100 countries, over 100 languages. Uh, we believe that the local church is, is God's answer to the, to the problems um, facing our world today. And we also believe that every single follower of Christ is a messenger. That's the whole messenger international. Yeah. And all of our lives tell a story. And, and we're supposed to tell the story of the gospel in whatever world we find ourselves in. We're supposed to break down those barriers between the sacred and the secular, revealing his plans, restoration, reconciliation, and rest and um, recovery to the whole work, wow. to the whole world. So that's, that's a part of what we do. We do it through so many different ways, different forms of media, um, storytelling, publishing, mm-hmm. traveling, speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, we, it's a pretty significant reach. I'm um, very your blessed mom to do what is- we do
0: always on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'll text so yeah, her. So She's like, friend. I'm on Singapore. I'll, I'm, I'm getting off I'll, in Chiang Mai. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah, be over in Afghanistan in a couple hours or something. <laughs> like, yeah, All right, that's, you don't need to that's get pretty, <laughs> That's
1: pretty much. Yeah. And, and it was founded. Actually, the organization was founded by my parents back in 1990, John and Lisa Bevere. And then in 2006, they were like, you know what? It was John Bevere Ministries. And okay. they were like, this organization is supposed to transcend surname or generation. And so we need to pivot mm. and we changed the messenger international. And that's when we started to take on more of a global focus okay. and it wasn't just about John and Lisa as messengers. It became about how do we as an organization establish and mobilize and make messengers all over the world. Wow. And that's, that's what we do. So our mission is to develop uncompromising followers of Christ who transform our world. And we believe that that mission advances at the intersection of message and attention. Okay. So attention yeah. is the currency of our day. Everyone's fighting for attention. Yeah. And a message changes everything. When we, when we have a change of perspective, it changes everything about our lives. Mm. So the goal is to create that magic at the intersection of a message and attention.
0: So you have, um, is it mainly John and Lisa producing the material and speaking? Or do you have other people that, like, that are overseas on the ground doing stuff? Or yeah. what does the ministry look like?
1: Yeah, we have we have a lot of teams so a lot of teams all over the world that do this and we have over 200 people that do this kind of messaging work all over the world. And then we're also establishing new messengers under the umbrella of Messenger International here in the United States. And then we also partner with with like minded organizations who specialize in different areas and we bring them into our fold and we say, hey, you have a message that the world needs to hear. We want to partner with you and use the uh, the messaging that we've been able to build over the years to share this message. Mm,
0: that's great. So wow. we do a whole
1: bunch of different things. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm excited ch- about doing some things with you. In the yeah, future. I
0: know me too, man. I'm super just, yeah. Honored. I mean, that's crazy. Um, I, I got to connect you with, I've got some friends, friends and I started a tiny ministry called touch Nepal. And we've been doing kind of pastor training through the local leaders there, like empowering yep. the local leaders to do the training and yeah. I mean, I say we, I, I, you know, I go over periodically, um, I was heavily involved at in the beginning. I, I don't really do much anymore with it. Um, but they just started though. My, my, my good friend who's, who's still day to day, you know, kind of runs it. They just started doing a lot of like, uh, pastoral training up in the kind of foothills of the Himalayas, you know, 10,000 foot foothills, <laughs> but there's loads yeah. of villages up there. And, um. Yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that.
1: <laughs> I, th- I mean, no, they, they, you're, pro- you're, you're probably okay with Nepal. Yeah, yeah, it's, for the um, most part,
0: you can't. Uh, you can, you can, yeah, you can go over as a Christian and teach other Christians. You just can't proselytize, and, and we don't. Right. We we focus on pastor training with with local pastors and let them navigate absolutely. Faith. So, um, but the, anyway, the, the so they're they're big in like developing curriculum, and I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it might be worth even just like a quick email or phone call or something. I don't know if there's something you guys have that could, you know, that they can use in that setting. Are you guys in Nepal or?
1: We are, yeah. We actually in cloudlibrary.org. Oh. It's our, what we call our international distribution grid. And every single piece of content that we translate, we put up on that oh, website wow. and people can go and download it completely free of charge. So wow. we, have, we have millions of downloads and they're all translated resources. So you have stuff translated so in Nepali? Yes. Oh my yes. word. Napolese, oh, we have quite, quite a bit of stuff.
0: So they just yeah, need to be aware of it w- and they can download it and wow.
1: download it. They can download it. They can print it. They can distribute it. However they want. Um, I mean, we say, look, do what you want with this content. Yeah. Uh, we've been able to secure the rights, all the, the rights, to these different languages. So yeah. we, we basically tell the leaders of the church, do whatever you need to do to use this content to help disciple your people. Yeah. Like yeah. Mongolia, for instance, we've been able to put our curriculum in every single church in Mongolia,
0: wow. across
1: denomination line, every single church, Catholic, Protestant, across the nomination line. We did an event with the, the government in Vietnam. I can't share this where they brought us in to, to do some marriage and family stuff. We had over 5,000 leaders, church leaders, civil leaders. I had a Bishop there nuns. I mean, it's, it's really, really special stuff. And we had 150,000 Vietnamese people live stream the event yeah. and it was all about marriage and family and the government was behind it. Uh, We celebrated Vietnam. We put flags under everyone's seat. So when they came in at the beginning, we did this whole tribute to Vietnamese culture. We did all these videos and dances and stuff. And then we told them to reach under their chairs and pull out their flags and wave it. And the Vietnamese government's absolutely loving this. We used their second largest facility. And afterwards they looked at us and they said, you really honored our nation and you've honored our heritage, our people. We want you to come back and use our largest uh, venue. We want you to do this again.
0: I mean, I know the answer is the Holy Spirit, okay? I, but absolutely. <laughs> but it's so it's, yeah. to, to get to get into some of these countries with such a wide reception, is it kind of yeah. is it kind of shocking a little bit? Or are you guys so faith oriented that you're like, no, this is just what it means to be a Christian? <laughs> I mean, listen, listen, it's radical.
1: I mean, I had um I had a security guard outside of my room twenty four seven while I was there, wow. um, being watched. Uh, I don't know if the security guard was there for my protection. I think it was more so keeping tabs on what was happening. Uh, it's just it's stuff that only God can do, and it's a willingness to say yes. It's a willingness to go to de- these different spaces. It's like, hey, the gospels for it's for Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So, like, what does that mean to go to the ends of the earth? Mm-hmm. And it and it means that you have to develop an understanding of, of culture, of of ways, yeah. of people's ways, how they how they do things, what's important to their, to their country, to their nation, the needs, all that kind of stuff. And then we, yeah. we show, like, look, the gospel is the answer. Yeah. And we figure out what that alignment looks like for that particular people. And again, that's why we work with the local church. Mm. We don't go around the local church. We go through the local church because the local church knows the needs of right. its nation much better than right. we Westerners out here yeah. in the United States with very little idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in Vietnam. Would, so do you travel quite a
0: bit for it then as well?
1: I do. I travel a good amount. Um, I bet I, I did get to go to Vietnam, which was phenomenal. Mm. I probably do four four to six international trips a year.
0: And are you speaking? Or are you there just on the ground? Yeah, I,
1: I actually got to speak to some underground churches. It was no. amazing. Like they were showing me where
0: yeah.
1: where you have to to go if something were to happen. Wow. Um, like, like you know the escape plan stuff like that. <laughs> All look like storefronts. It's amazing, amazing stuff to be a part of. Um, a culture, uh, a a Christianity that, that is, it's radical, is, is like they're really laying down everything for the sake of following Jesus.
0: I just, I'm so, I mean, so impressed how generous you guys are, your ministry, your parents, it's just unbelievable. I mean, millions and millions and millions of their own books given away that they could sell. Right. I mean, they could make, they could have made, I don't know how many millions of dollars, but then let's say "We're, we're, Doing fine on our books. Let me, let's be generous. Yeah. God's been generous. To us. It sounds simple, but it's so radical in this day. Like it's, a, it's amazing how much stuff you guys give away. It's crazy.
1: It is. And you know, our philosophy is the author's name is on that book because that author was the first person to get to read it. That's what <laughs> my dad says. He's like, so this is, this is ultimately God's message oh, and good. I get to steward it. And a part of stewarding that message is sharing it with people who can't afford it. So one of our values as an organization is we make discipleship resources available to every leader, regardless of location, language, or financial position.
0: Wow! When you have a
1: value like that, it requires some crazy things. Like we we have to do we have to break the mold on um, on what it means to invest in the nations.
0: Can I ask how? And I really want to get into the your story in your book. Um, but is it, do you, do you, is it donor supported? Is it self-funded through selling resources in the wet in America yeah. or both or um... all the above? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the above. I mean, we take,
1: we take our different revenue streams and, and we use those to fund it. And then we also gather people who love this idea, love this mission. It resonates with them. And we say, Hey, why don't you be a part of it? Yeah. And, and they give, and they sponsor nations, they sponsor yeah. languages and they're a part of the mission. So okay. it takes, I mean, it takes a village. It takes a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And it takes a, yeah, it takes a common sense of, of mission and purpose to make something like this
0: happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've learned firsthand this last, last few years with my ministry. It's like just to show up and put on a conference. It's so much work It goes on beyond the right. side, you know, and it's not, right. it's not for like people have to eat and the equipment costs money. <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's a lot. I, I, and
1: King, King, what I love about kingdom work is it requires us. To, to look beyond ourselves. Yeah. It requires us to, t- to tap into expansiveness that, that was written on our hearts, as it says in Ecclesiastes 311. Yeah. And and when you come together <laughs> for for a mission that unifies you and stretches you, you start to see things differently. You start to see people differently. You start to see opportunities differently. Mm-hmm. And that's when God moves. He moves when we get outside of our comfort zones and preconceived ideas yeah. of what it looks like to do mission. So one of the things I love about you, Preston. <laughs> I love the way you break the mold on what it means to reach people. <laughs> yeah. I seriously... Yeah. I have so much respect for what you do, and um, and for us as an organization, that's what it looks like for us to break the mold.
0: On that note, do you, do you guys deal with a lot of sexuality questions overseas? And I ask because we're getting more and more global yeah. inquiries and stuff. Um,
1: yeah, we, we do, we do. Huh. I mean, I don't I don't know if it's as um, encouraged as far as the conversation in general as as encouraged as it is here in the West, right? Um, but there, there are certainly questions and, and we've, you know, we navigate those questions. Um, I mean, we, we have this common sense of humanity, of fraternity. And so they're the the same challenges, the same questions, they're ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, they take on different forms depending on cultures and depending on what's relevant to that particular nation or people group.
0: Yeah. But it's there. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I'm getting more and more, yeah, either requests or. You know, uh, re- request for resources. We just, we're just, uh, we're translating some of our stuff in the Spanish for the first time doing it, doing a translation, yeah. and um, yeah, well, cool, man. Well, hey, let's, so let's, let's go back. You raised in a <laughs> yeah. kind of a celebrity That's Christian great. household. Oh, uh, gosh, well, I hate that, well, but I, yes, I mean, I, uh, is there, I don't say yeah. that, uh, yeah, it's just, it kind of is, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, what was that like?
1: You know, it's funny. I was taking, I was taking my son on a trip recently. I have a 10 year old son and we were flying home. We were getting on the the plane and the, the, the gate agent looked at me and she's like, your last name's Bevere. Are you, are you related to John Bevere? And Asher like looked at me, my son. And I was like, yes, I am. And Asher's like, dad, dad, gee, daddy's like famous, isn't he? I'm like, Oh, um, yes. no. Wait, that's so funny. I mean, he's, he's well-known among certain circles. Uh, yeah. When I was young, honestly, Preston, they didn't have the influence that they do now. Okay. Um, I still felt pressure, you know, being John and Lisa Bevere's son. Uh, people would come up to me and be like, you're going to be just like your mom and dad. And I certainly ran from that uh, because I wanted to be my own person. Mm. I didn't, I didn't want to do what they did. I didn't want to follow in their footsteps. I, I remember one time um, I was told that I had the heart of my mother and the anointing of my father. Mm and i was like that's
0: a good no. combo man. <laughs> that's a great combo
1: <laughs> and uh and you know just stuff like that and and i, I definitely did i ran from it for a season why even to the why, point why? where
0: yeah like I, oh that's... man
1: comparison yeah. like okay so probably two things terrified of comparison terrified of fa- failing and i'll throw another one i just wanted i want to be my own person yeah. i didn't understand the value of legacy um I didn't, I didn't understand the significance of, of how God will often move through generations along a single bloodline. Um, I'm not saying he always does that, but there are times when he, he puts his hand on a family and says, there's something that I want to convey to the world through a generational movement, generational legacy. And when I started to lean into that and lean into the tension of what that meant for my own life, I started to see things differently. Uh, but I remember one time I was at this event and uh, my dad had sent out, a CD of me teaching our team. Um, I had done a message for the team. It was an internal thing and he, he heard and he loved it. He's like, "You, we need to send it to all of our partners. And so he sent it to all of our partners. It's like, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. And one of our partners, he does these massive events all over the world. And he heard it and he listened to it seven times. Mm. And he told my dad, he's like, I'm gonna have Addison come speak at, at my event. And I, I was like 24, 25, like just out of school at the time. And, um, and I was like, what? like, what? no. And I was at an event with my dad where he was speaking with this man. Oh, wow. And my dad told me, he's like, he's, he's looking for, he's going to invite you to speak to the vet. I left the event. I just <laughs> left the building. I left wow. the building. I just was out of there. And then a few months later, I get an email from his office and I'm like, Hey, we want you to come do this event and I basically turned him down. Um, and then my dad told me I had to say yes. And really just an ordeal and I never went I never actually ended up doing it. Oh I'm speaking word. for him in a few months but I never actually did it back then It's just one of those things where I didn't want to do that like I was it's very private mm-hmm. I still am very private um I don't have uh, like these illusions of like what it is to be in the spotlight what it is to be a communicator what it is to live that kind of life like i'm not I'm not impressed by that I honor and respect people who've given their life to that type of service. But it's not something that I chased, but now it's something that I'm finding myself thrust into.
0: And I'm starting to embrace it. I mean, that's the best kind of Christian to be on stage. The one who hasn't chased after it, quite honestly. I mean, um, right. I mean, (laughs) it's the guy that, it's the person that wants it so badly makes me nervous. It's like, Oh oh, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I still like when I, whenever I do this, I'm like, God, like, if, if, if you don't show up, like, I'm going to run out of this building because like, this is not me, you know, like it's getting to that point where, where my confidence is in surrender. Like that's, that's it. Like that's, that's the only form of confidence that I have in situations like that because naturally I don't enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, I feel like I'm like that too much. I, I, yeah. More and more. I'm not, uh, I don't look forward to speaking. We know when I'm doing it, you're in the moment, it's energizing, sure. but, um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I feel like for a period of time, I really longed for it. Like I, and I don't, I don't think it was in a bad, I just really enjoyed preaching and, and I would discover something in the text and just couldn't wait to tell you, had a, message. you yeah, had a message you absolutely. want to share. It's that, that Ezekiel passage where he's got fire in his, or Jeremiah, you know that. Yeah, that.
1: Jeremiah, fire in his bones. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. I,
0: I literally felt like, like I felt like I need to get this out somewhere. Um yeah. And now I don't know. I feel like I, maybe I'm just tired, or, <laughs> or See, like, I, I, I love writing. Like I, I still, I, I am much more of an introvert. Like I like honestly just yeah. podcasting. Like I'd much rather be podcasting than on a stage somewhere. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. Me
1: too, But I'm embracing it because I do view it as look, I'm stewarding a message. Something that's really helped me too, is I'm there to serve. Like it's not about me. Yeah. So whatever I share, it's not about me. It's not about what they think about me. It's about what, what happens in their lives based on what I share. Right. Yeah. And, and my goal is to get out of the way so yeah. that what's coming through is what God's breathed on yeah. and uh, what he's revealed in the text. And, and, you know, part of that, of course, as a flair of, of my personality and what makes me, me as a communicator, but, uh but learning to get out of the way so that he can do what he what only he can do in those types of situations,
0: so let's talk about your message uh, yeah is absolutely. it is it surrounding the book, or is there was there other kind of things leading up to the book that were you were really passionate about and that drove you
1: yeah, so I, as I mentioned, I grew up in the church, so uh, my whole life, I felt that tension of being a church kid right yeah. um and then in, in my in my twenties started really in my early 20s. I had so many friends who started walking away from the faith. Uh, they became disillusioned with Christianity. They became ashamed of, of the faith. They didn't want anything to do with God. Um, their idea of following God was, was tied with a religious practice. And, and when I say religious practice, I mean that in the negative sense, not the positive sense. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, is this, is this journey. I remember, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. I was on a plane with this lady, and and I'm an <laughs> introvert like you. So I, when I get on planes, it's like eyes forward. Yeah. <laughs> I'll acknowledge the existence of the person sitting next to yeah, me yeah. because that's just rude not to. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, like I'm not having conversation. <laughs> like that's, that's yeah,
0: I'm, I'm <laughs> that's like the same it. way. Uh, yeah, I give the cordial nod, and then I make sure they see the book in my <laughs> hand, it. and you know, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We like put the put the headphones on or something. Uh, but this particular time, like this lady, she wasn't having it. Like she was going to talk. And, and that was it. And so we talked An hour and a half later. Um, she'd shared her whole life story with me. I mean, everything, like shared so many things with me and, and I was able to speak into them. And I, and I could tell like, God put me next to her for a reason. Mm-hmm. And then after this whole time, she, she did what you're not supposed to do on planes. You're not supposed to talk about two things. You're not supposed to talk about politics and religion. Yeah. And she looked at me and she goes, so what religious practice do you follow? Huh. And I, and I remember like, cause I knew cause she had shared so many things with me that made it very clear that she'd been hurt by the church, mm. um, that she was not a fan of Christians. I knew in that moment, if I tell her I'm a Christian, like everything, everything that I've shared, like there's a wall that's going up, everything that I've shared, it's going out the window. And, and I, I remember feeling that tension. And it's not that, and Preston, I'm sure you can relate to, it's not that I'm ashamed of Jesus. Like, I'm very fond of Jesus. I believe he's the one person who got this whole humanity thing right, right? Like, yeah. so I love following in his footsteps. I love working out what that means for me today in my world, what, wrestling with the text. Like, I, I love that. Yeah. But I, I am ashamed of the stigmas, mm. the uh, stereotypes, the labels that have wrapped themselves around this word Christian, and I'll, I'll say cultural Christian.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and so several years ago, I was reading a book by Rudolf Otto. I don't know if you've read much of his stuff. No, I okay. I was reading a book by Otto and I was probably, I don't know, halfway through the book. It's uh it's one of his books on the otherness of God. and it's just this phenomenal book. I think it's called the idea of the holy. And, and I, I read this paragraph and he used the word saint in a word, in a way that like, I had never seen before. And he described a saint as someone who practices and participates in the mystery of the final day.
0: Oh, wow. And, and I was good. like, wow. wow.
1: So now up to this point, when I, when I thought of a saint, I thought of stained glass windows. I thought of people with halos on their head. I thought of dead people. I thought of it as a prefix that you attach to someone's first name after they die and if they lived a really good life. So it didn't really have much significance or relevance in my life. Um, but I could sense when I read that sentence, it was the only mention of the word saint in the whole book. Only mm-hmm. mention. I read that sentence in the spirit of God, it's like something inside of me just opened up. Mm. And I felt like do a deep dive. And I did. And what I found, and you probably know this because you're a scholar, what I found is that the words Christians used only three times in the New Testament, twice in Acts, once in First Peter, the word saint is used over 60 times. Oh, like wow. it was the identifier mm. of the early church. And the way that Paul primarily would use it, he would use it to energize and give meaning and significance to the present. It had nothing to do with Mm -hmm. the past. So we use it now to honor, dignify, or canonize what has been. Mm -hmm. But the word was always meant to assign a sense of mission in the present. Mm -hmm. And a sense of mission that is profoundly human and profoundly personal and specific to wherever we find ourselves, whatever world we find ourselves in. Mm And if, if you look at the book of Acts, like I I love this thread that we find throughout the book of Acts, we find the tension of the early church, like they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, so what does it actually mean to fulfill the great commission? And Jesus is on the scene at the very beginning. And he does one thing, one thing he preaches on the kingdom of God. He teaches on the kingdom of God. That's it. And the disciples turn around and they're like, so, Hey, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, like when are you going to make this about our comfort zone? When are you going to make this about what we expected? When are you going to make this about our ethnicity, about what we what we want to do, where we want to go? And Jesus turns around. And he's like, No, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the whole rest of the book is that tension of like what it means to go into all the nations. And I love Acts ten when uh, when Peter has this vision three times and, and God is essentially dropping down all of these unholy and profane mm-hmm. things. And Peter's like, I'm not going to eat those because God says, "Eat them." he's like, I'm not going to eat them. What are you thinking? Like, I'm a holy, like, I'm a holy man. My lips have never touched that. And God essentially says like, go get your butts to the Gentiles. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's basically the message. <laughs> and he's like, listen, what I've called, what I've called uncommon, don't call common. Mm-hmm. What I've called holy, don't call profane. Hmm. He's like, get going. And then Cornelius's men show up. That amazing interaction between Peter and Cornelius. The Spirit of God falls on the Gentiles before they're even baptized. And and I, I think today, if you look at the church in general, um, we've lost this this sense of the gospel is supposed to eradicate every barrier between the secular and the sacred. Mm-hmm. And Paul is the one who primarily used. The word saint, and you got to think about who he was writing to. He was writing to Gentiles. Mm-hmm. He was writing to the people who were marginalized. He was writing to the people who didn't belong. He was writing to the people who were unholy, and he would start his letters and say, "To the saints in Rome, yeah. to the saints in Philippi, to the saints in Ephesus." So he would tell them, "Look, this is who you are. This is who you are," and then he would break down these these beautiful. Um, descriptions of God's covenant plans and salvation plans and all of this. And then he say, now, practically speaking, this is what it means for you to be a saint in Ephesus, in Corinth, in Rome. Yeah. You say, this is what it looks like. And I, and unfortunately, we've taken this idea of a saint and we've removed it from our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. And we're missing out on a profound sense of meaning that belongs in the mundane.
0: Does it have a like a missional component to it? Like to be a saint isn't to sit around being saintly. It's it's for a missional purpose That without, without reading too much into the...
1: No, no, it, it I mean, it, it's missional, but not just in the sense of like, you have to go out and do a special mission. Right. Okay. It's, it's missional in the sense. And I mean, ever since the enlightenment, we've had this, this separation, uh, profound separation between the secular and mm-hmm. sacred. It was like, okay, science, arts, industry, economics, like all of that, like that's now sacred. Mm-hmm. And the church will keep its buildings, its its services, its prayer groups. Right. And, and now what's happened is we have all these people today, like they're doing regular life, everyday life. They're, they're working as a CFO or a stay at home mom or a barista, whatever, right? They're, they're doing everyday life and they don't see the connection between um, what it means to follow Jesus and their everyday life. Hmm. And saints are people who actually break down that barrier between the two. And they recognize that what we do on Monday is just as holy, is just as significant as what we do on Sunday. And they live in tune with this vision that we see in Isaiah eleven nine 9 and back in two fourteen that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. They live with that vision and they ask themselves, like, what does that mean for my world today? What does that mean for me as a parent, as a spouse, as a leader, as a student, as a neighbor? What does that mean? And what it does is it places meaning in our everyday lives, which is where life happens, which is where the kingdom advances is in our everyday lives, is at that intersection of relationship. So so yes, like to be a saint, there are moments when you have these grandiose uh, like ser- like service, like what we see with Mother Teresa, sure. But it's also what we do in our everyday lives.
0: Okay. Because I was thinking like back in uh, Exodus 19 where he calls him like a holy priesthood, and that yeah. holy, right? It comes with... Um saint, that's where we get saint. And uh, that's a very like, you know, you're, I'm, I'm giving you this law so that you can go and be a holy people as a vocation to kind of reach the nations, whatever. And then Peter picks up on that. So, um,
1: well, he calls them, he calls them nation of kings and priests, right? Yeah. in Exodus 20, he comes to meet with them.
0: Right. He comes to
1: reveal himself to them. He comes to, to be intimate with them. And what do they do? They reject them.
0: Right. Right. They
1: say, actually, no, we don't want intimacy with you just give us a bunch of rules and regulations. That yeah. will be our concept of holiness Right, is following those rules and regulations. So so God came to give them a relationship. They turned around and said, no, we want religion.
0: Uh, we want best
1: okay, practices. Yeah. Yeah. We want to reduce this relationship yeah. to things that we can control, yeah. commands that we can control.
0: So uh, tell me more about the book. So you, you obviously unpack the yeah. biblical meaning of saint, and then do you address yeah. the secular sacred thing quite a bit? Is that yeah, a big... actually.
1: I, I do. I spend, I spend time on the secular sacred. I start in the first chapter, I start with the idea of the good life. Okay. So people are obsessed with the good life, right? Like, if you look at many of the best selling books, um, top podcasts, you'll find those three magical words grouped together the good life. Hmm. Like, we're obsessed with it. We're looking for it. And we, we look for it uh, at d- different places, right? Like, most people, it's a, a magical combination of sex stuff and status. Like they think they can get the right combination of those three things. And I'm talking about inside the church and outside the church, but they can find the right combination of those three things. They're going to find the good life. And what I show is the the reason why we crave it is because as it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, eternity was written on our hearts. Mm -hmm. So there's something larger than what we've seen. There's something expansive within us and it kind of drives us nuts. That's why we, that's why we progress. That's why we innovate. Mm -hmm. That's why we search. And, and the point I make at the very end of the first chapter is that the good life isn't something we find, it's someone we become. Hmm. And the good life of a saint is, is exactly, like, it, that's what we're craving, like, that's what we want. But the problem is, like, when we think of a saint, we think of this small group of people, this holy, quote unquote, holy group of people that yeah. we don't belong to. We don't realize that the invitation is to every single one of us to be saints every single yeah. one of us.
0: What's well, fascinating that he calls the Corinthians saints. Like I mean, oh yeah. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> oh, mean, yeah. look at
1: those groups of people historically that he yeah. calls saints.
0: Yeah. It's about their their identity and their vocation more than their yeah, their like you said, you know, they've arrived at holiness and now they,
1: <laughs> well, and, and it's, it's one of those things where like, he calls us holy and then he journeys us into holiness. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's the journey of sanctification, which has the same root as saint. okay. I yeah. call it sanctification because <laughs> it's the same, it's the same kind of idea. And that's why in chapter three of the book, the chapter is mere, mere. The whole chapter is about true self and false self.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: That's like, that's what the whole, like Colossians three, true self, false self, James one, receive with meekness, the implanted word, which has the power to save your soul. And then I, I go into James 20, like 25, 26, 27, he starts talking about the mirror. Like, yeah. What are we going to look at? Are we going to look at ourselves through the law of liberty? We're going to see who we are in the natural. And I talk about that, that tension between the true self and the false self. And I love, I think it was C.S. Lewis said something along the lines of um, how there's nothing that, that we give to God that he doesn't return to us more glorious, more beautiful, more complete. complete. Mm. And I think a lot of people have this idea that, if they give who they are to God, if they surrender in that journey to him, like they're going to become faceless. They're going to become the same as everyone else. But that's, Mm -hmm. that's when we discover, like what it is to be us. Mm -hmm. Like what it, like when you start stripping away the things that, um, Mm -hmm. that masquerade as individuality, when you start stripping those things away, it's like, whoa, this is, this is who I am as a unique display of God's creative genius. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the journey of sanctification. That's the journey of becoming a saint.
0: You obviously love studying the Bible, but if I can re- I do, read back into your story, <laughs> when did that kick in? Because I wasn't there all along, right? Or, Yeah, I mean, I, I did go to Bible school, but um, yeah. my background was in business. It
1: was okay. like, I wasn't really interested, to be honest with you. Again, like I ran from it. I wasn't interested in it. And then when I was 24, God, um, God told me, it was like one of those holy moments where was like, look, um, I want you to go through the Bible systematically and i did i would read a verse i would think about the verse like pray to the verse and then i would write down what god spoke to me in that verse and i did that all the way through i started the new testament did that all the way through the new testament and that ever after that like it created this hunger hmm. in me and then i started reading all these different books on eschatology soteriology i mean all all theologies right yeah, like yeah. i was in it like i wanted to learn i wanted to know um and that, and that was my, that was my journey.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, so then, so going to, like now you are, how, are, have you just started speaking a lot more now? Like when was that kind of running away? And then how long ago was it when you said, you know what, I think God's calling me to, to be a speaker, you know, to kind of follow in the footsteps of my, my parents.
1: Yeah. Honestly, man, I hate the idea of being a speaker. Just like, cause that, <laughs> that just a sounds messenger, like, you know, yeah, a messenger okay, at the fire. microphone. You know what's funny? I actually remember, I remember the date when I said yes to God. Uh, I was, I think I was 27 at the time. So probably about six, seven years ago. And um, I was cleaning my garage and I was walking into the house and the Holy spirit, like whispered to me. It's like, are you going to do this? I remember saying yes. And right before I turned the doorknob to go into my house, I said, yes, I went into, went into my house two weeks after that everything in my world fell apart. Hmm. Like it's like so. the CFO of our organization been here for nine years. He was the main leader of messenger. He left oh, wow. overnight. I found out he was gone after he was gone. Wow. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, and it was just really, it was really rough. Right. So I had to step into that. So as the COO, I had assumed those responsibilities and, um, and it was like, okay, God, I said, I, I would, I would do this, like, I would do something that I didn't want to do, I agreed to do it, even though I didn't want to agree to do it. Now I say yes, and you're sending me in the opposite direction. Like now I'm more engrossed in the day to day and the operations and the legal and the compliance, like, really, mm-hmm. like, I thought I was saying yes to you. And it was going to be like, okay, now I'm going to move you out. And you're going to start doing this. And And so for for me, it was, <laughs> it was about that time when I said yes, but um, you know, it wasn't until recent that I've started speaking okay. more. Like I would, I would do once or twice or mainly because of relationship, mm-hmm. I would go do it. Cause I couldn't say no because of relationship, yeah. but now I've started to do it more.
0: Uh, do you speak to younger people a lot or all ages? All ages. Okay. Um, Cause you mentioned offline yeah. that you, you spoke to a few hundred, was it college or high school or, um,
1: millennials yeah. is actually in Boise.
0: Oh, oh yeah. right. Yeah. 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 What was yeah. That? yeah.
1: Um, Gosh, man i don't remember the name of the church the pastor's name's Jordan verner
0: you know oh, him oh i've heard yeah i've heard of heard Yeah. Of, i don't know yeah. him, but yeah okay
1: yeah but, uh, but yeah i mean i've done i've done that i mean i've done you know i spoke at, i spoke to 5000 people in, in um in italy last december and i've done, I've done stuff like that big and small and for me, it's just, it's another way to serve. Like that's, like if God wants me to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. But it's not something where I'm like, yes, like I need to get out there and I need to be speaking.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoy
1: writing so much more. Do you?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. If somebody wanted to find out more about Messenger, obviously you have a website. But um, is there anything people can do to like get involved? Obviously they can donate money or whatever. But if they're like, man, that sounds yeah. really cool. Or maybe there's a missionary out there or somebody that's like, man, could I be a part of that somehow? Is that, uh, yeah. They would just go to your website. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. Messengerinternational.org is I guess, like the mother okay. website. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of other ones from that. So we have, we have a lot of discipleship stuff that we do, okay. um, that, that all stems from messengerinternational.org. Okay. But yeah, that would be, that'd be the best one to go to.
0: And then your book is published by who?
1: Ravel. So there oh, was. No. Okay. So the imprint of Baker.
0: Oh right. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Cool. yeah. And it comes out January twenty first. Well, that'll be
0: yeah. So this will come out. Um, people are listening right now. Probably. Probably be like ten days from from now. From now. Cool. Future now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks yeah. so much for being on the podcast. Many blessings on your your ministry and all that you're doing. And um, yeah, I hope you write another book, man. Are you working on another one <laughs> or?
1: <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to, I was supposed really? to start soon, but it's like, every time I go back to it, um, it's like, God tells me like, keep, you no, know, stay here with saints. Like, there's more that I want you to see with yeah. saints and don't get distracted from what you're doing right now. And it, it's, it's hit me that like our generation. And when I say generation, I mean, it, that applies to multi-generations, but it's like, we need a fresh look at faith for a world losing hope in religion. Like yeah. we are in the midst of a post-Christian world. Yeah. And, but the reality is the largeness of following Jesus of, of wrestling with what it means to be a follower of Jesus today like that that gives us the sense of purpose and mission and belonging community that we crave and I hope to be able to reframe that mm-hmm. because it's it is it is the good life
0: yeah it is it is <laughs> that's, no, awesome,
1: no, that's why Jesus said he's yeah. like look if you want to find life here you go yeah. it's paradoxical but this is the way Dude. and I hate I hate that that that, that profound way of, of losing our life of, of sacred service. I hate that it's been confined to a few expressions. Like yeah. I personally hate, hate the terms full-time ministry, yeah. part-time ministry. Like I hate those reasons <laughs> for like, it's the fivefold ministry, fivefold ministers, the church is supposed to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Right. So that's all of us. Right. That's every single one of us. So the enemy of our soul, he does such a good job of removing value from the everyday because impact happens in the everyday. He says, yeah. Oh, one day, when you're this or that, one day you have accomplished that degree or that promotion, or get married, whatever. Like then you're going to do something significant. Mm-hmm. Or he says, look, look back in the past. Like back then you were doing something. He's terrified of us discovering that the present moment is full of purpose. He's terrified of us reaching out to the people who are marginalized, who are on the fringes who are quote unquote unholy, unworthy. He's terrified of that today. Mm. And that's that's the life of a saint. It's very practical, very personal, and very specific to who we are and where we find ourselves today.
0: Dude, that's so good. Keep preaching it man. Thanks, for, <laughs> Come on man. Alright, thanks for coming on passion. dude. We'll talk to you later.
1: Thanks man, thanks for having me.